Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the broadcast preview. Now, I know what you're thinking. Please don't turn off the dials. I know we're 10 seconds in, and you're thinking, this isn't the normal, familiar voice. And that's right. Callum Williams, play-by-play commentator for Minnesota United, normally takes the reins here. But with Cal being away for a wedding, he's let me fill in. So hopefully we will do it justice, Callum. We miss you on the broadcast. As always, Jamie Watson, sideline analyst for Minnesota United, joined by Kendra D. St. Aubin, color commentator for Minnesota United. And we have a very special guest with us this week, filling in the third spot, rounding out this group. We're very pleased, very honored to be joined by Director of Player Personnel for Minnesota United, Amos McGee. Amos, welcome into the show. Thanks. I was going to try to give my best Cal uh, accent. You can do but, that now. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. So I think we gonna, all want to hear that. Actually. And I think we're not going to. So. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Kendra D. St. Aubin, how are we today? I'm great. You know, just we're all a little sweaty. Just entered the nice cool room here and uh, just ready to get this thing rocking. We got a big one this weekend. Yeah, we are just fresh off of training as the team is preparing to head out to Portland tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday and Kendra's referring to the fact that it is still late September. It is warm here, and we will not be complaining about the warm weather much longer. We are enjoying peak time in Minnesota, and we are also enjoying peak time of Major League Soccer as it starts to head down to the final four games of the season. Minnesota United currently sitting in third in the Western Conference. And before we start to look back at the match against Real Salt Lake and ahead to the match at the Portland Timbers, Amos, I want to invite you in and get your thoughts on this because the three of us, Cal, Kendra, myself on the broadcast, it's all that we can seemingly talk about these days. And it's on the, the lips and minds of everybody in Major League Soccer right now, just how tight the Western Conference is. And as somebody that's been around this league basically since the inception of Major League Soccer, I won't put it in hyperbole and say, is this the tightest race you've ever seen? But I will ask you, is it up there with some of the closest down-to-the-wire playoff finishes Major League Soccer has seen in a very long time? So I'll say yes, but that's two through eight, right? Or two, maybe mm-hmm. even two mm-hmm. through through nine if Colorado or Kansas City makes sort of a late run. What we don't have is the battle for the, you know, for the Western Conference um, title. So that, that drama is missing a little bit. Um, you know, I would say the first taste of this I really got was 2013 uh, when I was in Portland. And I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit about my experiences there. But 2013, we were back and forth with Salt Lake. Um, we ended up, I think, you know, finishing above them to win the Western Conference. Um, lost to them in the Open Cup semifinals and then lost to them in the Western Conference Finals. So it, it, it was tight at the top, and it was probably not as tight all the way through to the playoff spot. So I think that's something that's really exciting. I think that's one of the designs of a salary cap-driven league where there's some parity. And, um, you know, I think the fans, basically every game has meaning uh, down the stretch. So I'm excited about it uh, as a fan. Obviously, you know, anytime Minnesota plays or, or teams in and around us, you know, you deal with it with a little trepidation. But uh, it's exciting for our league and exciting for soccer fans in the United States. It really is. is. Go ahead, Kendra. Sorry. Is it better or worse that you don't have the battle for first? You know, the two through eight positioning, the two through nine until Kansas City kind of blew that last match, you know. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I mean, again, uh, there's different schools of thought. Some people like to have the Yankees and like to have the Patriots and like to have these sort of big, bad juggernauts that, uh, that set the sort of standard. 
Um, you know, and I think there's some validity to that. I also quite like that, um, you know, that every team feels like they have a shot. And with the new co- uh, playoff uh, format, the current playoff format, there's, um, you know, one-off games. Anybody can 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 upset anybody uh, particularly easily. So, uh, you know, I think the battle to get in the playoffs is huge. Home field will be huge. You know, I think Portland and, uh, and us are the only teams to beat LAFC at Bank of uh, California Stadium, so um, you know it's going to be tough. But but you get in the playoffs, everybody has a what's the what's the phrase a chip and a chair and a chance. So yeah. we look good. Uh, feel good about that. Kendra, looking at the the standings now as we're talking about Minnesota sitting in third. Uh, Seattle Sounders picked up a point last night to push them one point further up in the standings than they were the night before. On 50 points, second place, as we've alluded to, LAFC at 64 points, just running away with the Western Conference. And um, last night was a night in which the Portland Timbers hosted New York Red Bulls and Seattle hosted FC Dallas. Yet the Portland Timbers dropped another home result and Seattle and Dallas tied. So there really could not have been a better set of results for Minnesota United last night, could there? Well, I think it was great. Um, and from Minnesota's perspective, from a results and a standings perspective, but I also think it's bad for Minnesota in the sense that Portland has now dropped to at home. I just don't know how that is going to feel and how it's going to fare for Portland. They always know they got to win. And now they're sitting below the line at the 43 points in the eighth position. But I think it's, it's good from a standings perspective for Minnesota to be sitting in third and, and the Sounders to get that draw. But at the same time, like, I just feel like even more so the pressure is on the Portland Timbers. They've got to win those games at home. Everybody's talking about this home field advantage. They started the 12 on the road and they're not doing it. They're not getting the job done. And that fan base isn't going to sit around and be happy about that very long. And the players won't either. And now that they're sitting out of the playoff picture, um, I just don't, I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough one. It doesn't mean Minnesota can't do it, but they've got to come up with a massive performance on the road and, it's going to be a tough place to play, and I think from that standpoint, they're going to be they're going to be itching to get back on the field, even though it's going to be three games in a short succession for them. Um, they're still at home, so I don't know. I think it's going to be a challenge um, for Minnesota to go there and get it get the three points on Sunday. It's doable, but it's going to be a challenge. It is, and we have the perfect person with us today as the guest, Amos McGee, to talk about Portland and talk about the evolution of the club and why it is so difficult to go to Providence Park, a newly renovated Providence Park. And, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but let's take a look back at the match against Real Salt Lake. Heading into the matchup, Kendra, it was dubbed as the most important matchup and maybe a matchup that could really dictate the way the rest of the season was going to play out. And Minnesota United pulls out a massive 3-1 victory after falling down 1-0 in the 17th minute. I want to get your thoughts on the match and, and Amos, you as well, but Kendra, we'll start with you. Collectively, we've had several days now to process it and see how everything has kind of taken shape since then. Just how important was this matchup and what were some of your biggest takeaways from it? My biggest takeaway for Minnesota United in that match and just not just getting the three points and emphasizing how we keep talking about the business end of the season and how every game is the biggest game. And it's not hyperbole. It's real, you know, especially coming off that Houston result where, you know, just didn't get, get didn't get what they needed on the road. Um, I think, you know, we'd called kind of on certain players to have big days and big performances. And you can't say enough about Darwin Gutierrez finishing his opportunities and playing a big part in that match. But 
Um, and the goal scorers always get the attention, and deservedly so. We saw a little bit of the Darwin that we're used to seeing or that we saw in 2018. And um, But for me, it was just another team effort. I think there wasn't a a position on the field that didn't do what was needed. Um, Robin Lode, Kevin Molino creating opportunities, you know, a Mason toy doing what he can do to kind of ride that back line between the two center backs and Darwin Quintero, Quintero finishing his opportunities and Roma Metanere, the back line, Vito Manone, um, but Roma Metanere, I mean, two of those goals were basically call, caused because of his ability to hustle and then Ethan Finley making the run down the middle of the park. Um, so they're just, it was another one of those things that it was a team effort for me a massive performance. Um, how can you not perform in front of that home crowd and, and what this, this fan base gives you day in and day out every time they show up for a friendly or a regular season game and um, big performance by Darwin, big performance by the team, by the club and a massive performance and response from that Houston game. But again, they got to figure out how to do it on the road in Portland. Amos, I'm interested to get your thoughts on two particular players, both ones that Kendra mentioned there. First of all, Roman Metinere, a player in which you are largely responsible for kind of unearthing as the director of player personnel here at Minnesota United, bringing him in. He's been a massive success, the all-star this year for Minnesota United. And and he went, I believe it was June 2nd, was the last time he registered a point. He went the entirety basically of June, July, and August now, granted, he was away for African Cup of Nations and for a good chunk of that, but hadn't registered a point. And then finally, when the game really needed it last Sunday against Salt Lake, he was able to perform admirably in the back, but was able to get forward, get the end product, deliver the crucial assist to Ethan Finley in that moment. And secondly, Darwin Quintero's performance. Kind of how do you assess those two guys and, and what did you really make of them and the performances they put out on Sunday? Well, a couple of things. One... Uh... Roman was unbelievable, and it, it kind of sh speaks to a little bit how much quality he, he's been giving us that he was still a really good right back in the league over the last, let's say, six weeks since he got back from African Cup of Nations, and all of us are sitting around here going, well, he's not back to his normal self. He still was an incredible player, still a really good right back in the league. But then, you know, on Sunday against Salt Lake, we were reminded of you know, why he was, even as a right back, one of the most dominant players in the league over the first four months of the season. I mean, he got back to that type of performance where I would argue he wasn't just okay defensively, he was excellent defensively. And then, you know, his ability to, uh, to, to, to push up into the attack and deliver some final balls that we got on the end of were, you know, was exceptional. But, you know, tactically, uh, Kevin Molino tucked in and gave him sort of wide berth and, and, you know, Salt Lake didn't have an answer for him. What that also does is it allows another cr creative playmaker in the middle of the field and allows Darwin to push further forward, make some runs in behind the defense. And, uh, you know, so the, the whole tactical setup and the way that it played out, I thought was, was, was exceptional. And, you know, it was funny. Uh, I was overseas scouting. And uh, so I was in the car racing back from, from a game. Uh, checked my phone. We went down 1-0. But, you know, to the kids out there, you shouldn't be checking your phone driving. So I <laughs> wasn't quite sure what I had seen. So I pulled over, checked it again, and it was 1-1. So, um, you know, so I thought, uh, so I only had a moment of about two or three minutes as I was looking to pull off to the side of the road where, you know, I was bemoaning the fact that, you know, this huge game, we were down 1-0. The response of the team is exceptional to come back right away, not hang their heads. 
get an equalizer, uh, you know, and then get the, the go-ahead goal and then the insurance goal. I'll say besides those two, and Darwin was exceptional, and it was his pressing, it was his defensive work, his ability to run behind, you know, that goes along with the quality that we've come to expect from him. But I would say one of my the best parts about the game were the impact that the substitutions had when they came on. Mm-hmm. I thought Hassani Dotson was excellent. It was absolutely. the right time for him. I think he just absolutely solidified the game. He gave us a little bit going forward. Um, you know, Ethan was was very good. And Abu, you know, had his chances and stretched the stretched the you know, the the game a little bit with his pace and and you know, you gotta pay attention to him when you're just starting to when Mason's just starting to tire when you put him on. So you know, Adrian and his staff with those two, you know, and, and watching training over the course of the week, uh, Angelo is, is is playing at a good level. He's got three really good options, all of them really different that, you know, on every given game day he's got to make a decision about. So um, overall, and you guys addressed it, it was a great team performance. It was a great performance by, you know, by individuals, but, you know, nobody was, nobody was off the charts. Everybody was good, and that's what, you know, that's what playoff teams are. What does it mean when you're not talking like, you know, tactically you, I you've clearly rewatched the match cause you didn't get to watch it live. As you said, you were traveling internationally, but what does it mean? Or what can you point out to the, the listener that's going, man, I didn't even pick that up. Cause I didn't even notice that because with your keen eye from a, a tactical perspective, maybe somebody that we don't talk about, we talked about Roman, we talked about the goal scores. We talk about the attacking pieces talk about Kevin Molino tucking inside, but what has maybe just really impressed you with this group or in specifically in that match that you picked up? Well, I think we, we have a lot of different pieces and, you know, and they different pieces that, that have different strengths and different weaknesses. And so, you know, when you kind of, when you get the right um, mix, it looks really good because they're talented players and because, um, you know, they're, <laughs> they want to win. So, um, you know, in this this game, we we didn't see it, Jan Gregus as adventurous as we've some, seen him in some other games. Well, he didn't have to be mm-hmm. because of Robin Lode's natural tendencies to kind of overload uh, the middle of the park a little bit, and certainly Kevin's. I think by design, his ability to come in, kind of playmake from the from the right wing. So, you know, we hit, we're, we're balanced and had a good block in the middle of the field. Um, we had some creativity. You know, for me the natural tendency of Kevin and Robin versus Ethan Finley and sometimes Miguel and Abu when he plays as a winger is not to run in behind. So you, you have to rely on your, your center forwards to do a lot of that. And sometimes, you know, your, your fullbacks. So Roman certainly can do it. You know, the other guy we haven't talked about is Wilfred Moimbe came in and, and uh, you know, Chase was out with suspension, uh, yellow card accumulation and Will came in and, and gave a really good performance. He's starting to get fit. So we're starting to see his athleticism, his pace. You know, he's certainly a little bit more aggressive, uh, for better or for worse, than than Chase. Um, you know, but it shows you we now have two really good left backs and and with different strengths. And like I said earlier, the mixing and the matching of the group. You now I think Adrian and his staff can say, and this game maybe, you know, maybe Will's a better option. Um, but you know, again, Chase Chase has done nothing to lose his job, so I don't think he will. So. And it's a big performance. You know, you talked about the the substitutes earlier. Ethan Finley coming on, you know, in the dying moments, gets the pass from Roman. He finishes it so calmly. Minnesota United walk away with the three points from that. But now as you look towards the final set of four games, and we'll preview the Portland game in just a moment here specifically, but how do you assess the last four games? What does Minnesota United need to do to really 
make sure that they put themselves in the best spot to try to get themselves into postseason play. Well, we've got to be difficult to play on the road. So we have two, you know, two road games in the Pacific Northwest, you know, at, at Portland this weekend and then finish the season on decision day uh, at Seattle. Two teams that are difficult to play at home, two teams that are good, uh, good players, well-organized. So we've got to be difficult to play against in those two games. And if you are, the potential for getting a point or three points in each of those games is is definitely there. And then you got to hold serve at home, particularly Sporting Kansas City, who right now is you know likely out of the playoffs. Um, and uh, you know we we play them. I think the twenty fifth um, on a midweek game. Uh, we've got to play well in that game. We got to get three points in that game. Uh, I think if we do, I'm not sure the magic number, but I'm guessing that puts us uh, definitely in the playoffs. You get two more wins out of the last four. I think you're definitely hosting a game. Um, you know, and four points puts you right on the, the line to, to host a first-round playoff game. So, um, you know, that that's, that's for me, the, the recipe is, is being really difficult, being really organized, tough to play against away from home, and then play with the, the confidence that we've played with at Allianz Field. And, and you know, I, I'm excited to see the game, the next two games, but I'm also really excited to see us play at home against LAFC where, you know, they've been a very good road team, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, along with being an outstanding home team. So it should be exciting. It would definitely will be exciting. And it's never been more exciting for Minnesota United as they are in the thick of it right now. And every point is at an absolute premium. And so as we kind of put a bow on the Real Salt Lake game, we start to move forward. Minnesota United will head to Portland Timbers on Sunday for a matchup that you could see on ESPN. You'll also be able to hear the coverage. Dan Terhar will have the call with Kendra D. St. Aubin. Myself and Jonathan Harrison will be on pre-half and post duty. It's a weekend in which Cal will be away for a wedding, so we won't get to hear the dulcet tones of Callum Williams this weekend, but rest assured he will be back for the Sporting Kansas City match. But before we get to the Portland match, some news that broke a little bit earlier today. Brent Coleman, Minnesota United center back, has been suspended for violating the MLS substance abuse policy that will span 10 MLS games effective immediately and has been fined 20% of his annual salary. It was something that he came out and addressed and said that he was dealing with some injuries and took something that he shouldn't have that is obviously on the list of banned substances, something that he has apologized for to his teammates, to the club, to the supporters, to his family, his friends. Uh, Amos, I want to get your thoughts on this. It's a it's a situation in which no player, no club wants to find themselves in. And obviously something very unfortunate, circumstances around it, trying to recover from an injury to get back to be able to be available for his team was the motivation behind it. Nonetheless, not allowed, suspended 10 MLS games and fined a hefty amount, 20% of his annual salary. How do you, as a front office organization, as a club, as Minnesota United, kind of view this and approach this and address this? Well, one, we're disappointed. I think, you know, that, that uh, you know, that's pretty clear. Um, you know, and you have a, a wide range of emotions. You're disappointed in the decision by Brent. And you also feel for him because... Uh, you know, we're, we're, these guys are under a lot of pressure, under a lot of pressure to perform, a lot of pressure to be fit. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was, a, it was a silly decision. Now, you know, 
the the good piece to this is we have a good team and we have good players on our team and now you know we have the opportunity for other guys to step up and you know i think with good teams no player every player is important and no player is indispensable and you know brent's played a huge part of our success over the last three years uh, and he will play a part in our success in the future and right now he plays no part other than you know probably supporting his teammates away from away from the training field and away from the the stadium so um, you know, that's disappointing, but again, we have Wyatt Amsberg, who we really like as a center back and who's gotten a lot of minutes and played really well, uh, on loan in Madison, just for just this, you know, this occasion where he's game fit, he's match fit, he's sharp. He was just team of the week last week in his last game for forward Madison this year. And, and, um, you know, he's going to be ready. And you also have a guy that Adrian knows quite well. That's played center back in this league, and Lawrence Olam, who you know can do a job there as well. Uh, and so we have players that can that can step up uh, in Brent's ab- absence. We wish they didn't have to. We wish that the that Brent was around. Um, you know, it's something as an organization that we'll continue to try to educate our players in the best way we can um, and give them the support that they need in the best way we can, uh, so that you know these the, the this situation doesn't happen again. Adrian Heath today saying this is a cautionary tale for guys on Minnesota United around the league that sometimes shortcuts maybe don't necessarily lead to the shortest route. And in the end, maybe the longest route and a difficult one for that. Nobody will know that more than Brent Coleman. So moving on from that, um, we needed to address that. Amos, thank you for your thoughts on that. Um, Kendra, as we start to shift focus to this big, huge matchup in Portland, a matchup in which Minnesota United will face the Portland Timbers for the third time this season after two successful wins in early August. One in MLS play Sunday, August 4th, a 1-0 win, which Ethan Finley scores a late penalty in. And then, what, four, three days later, Wednesday, August 7th, in the Open Cup semifinals, 2-1 win, Darwin Quintero and Mason Torrey getting the goals in those those uh in that second matchup that puts the team into the Open Cup final. How difficult, Kendra, is it going to be and what dynamics have changed since the consecutive victories? Now you've got to play a team for the third time in a season away at Portland. How difficult is this matchup going to be for Minnesota on Sunday? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is, first of all, I thought it was going to be tough to beat a team twice in a row, even if you were at home and it was MLS and it was Open Cup. And the and the lineups looked very different as well in those two matches. Um, Diego Valeri didn't start the second one, I believe. Um, and, you know, he came on late in the game. And, and now, to me, it's Portland at home, which is a very tough place to play. We all know the fan base there, Providence Park. And Amos, you know it better than anybody. Um, and they've made this addition. They had the 12 games on the road, and now everyone was expecting them to come home and just dominate, and it hasn't maybe quite gone as they had planned, and now they've suffered back-to-back losses at home. So for Minnesota United and Adrian Heath, I think it's, it's going to be very important to come up with a tactical game plan that gets executed on the pitch to combat the attacking pieces that the Portland Timbers have. I mean, they and is everyone going to be healthy? Is Sebastian Blanco going to be healthy? Is Diego Valeri? They're going to have three games in a week. Um, you know, uh, Fernandez, and all these pieces, Ibobise, all these players that have really come into their own and and contributed. And Diego Charo, who can forget about him centrally. So, for me, I think um, it's going to be a very important game for players like a White Amsberg if he gets called into action, depending on the situation at center back and the formation Adrian Heath 
you know, goes about um, employing and, and does he do something to, similar to what they did at LAFC? So, I mean, for me, I think a point on the road against the Portland Timbers who have lost two straight at home is um, an absolute possibility. I think three will be tough. And for me, it's going to be about um, the team executing the game plan that is put in place and Adrian Heath going in and his staff with the right tactical adjustments to combat whatever Portland throws at them at Providence Park. And Amos, you probably have the best take on this than anybody. Just really, how, how do you see that this third game against the Portland Timbers maybe differing from the first two and how Minnesota approaches it on the road? Well, I'll give you even one more, and that is that it's the first of three games in eight days. So, yep. you know, we've seen Adrian and, and his staff rotate, and, you know, I don't want to belabor it, but rotate, particularly bringing Brent Coleman in, sometimes going to three in the back. Mm-hmm. Now, how does uh, how do Adrian and Mark and Ian and, you know, and JP and these guys, how do they figure out um, how they're going to plan it over, over the, the eight days? Two of them are at home. You know, do you, uh, you know, is the mentality you go harder for the first two and then see where the chips lie uh, against LAFC? I also know how competitive everybody is here. We don't, you know, we want to, we want to beat LAFC. We want to take the season series against them. So with Carlos Vela, with maybe. Carlos Vela, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, having been uh, on staff, you know, been a coach for a long time, I think you, Start mapping out how you want the week to look. You know what? What, what are the important games? What are the matchups? And you know, so they've got a lot of work here over the next, you know, couple of days to figure out exactly how they're gonna how they're gonna play it. So, that's you know that should be fun to see. Um, you know, listen, the I kind of agree with you. The back to back games and the 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 sort of cat and mouse game that that Geo and, and Adrian played the two games here. I think enough time has gone. Um, I think it isn't so much being a, a team a third time. I think it's where they are. They're desperate. They're back against backs against the wall. Um, and it's us coming in knowing that, you know, a point a point does us a, a ton of good. Um, and three points does us a massive amount of good. And so how do we, you know, how do we sort of finesse through, through that, um, you know, playing against a team, like I said, like we've all said, are going to be desperate. Amos, perhaps very few around MLS will know, Timbers and what it's like to be there, to play in there, and to be in that environment. Having been an assistant in a couple different roles, and from 2009 to 2013, Providence Park went under a renovation. As Kendra alluded to, they had to play the first 12 games this season on the road. Now Providence Park is even bigger, even better, even more difficult to play. Surprisingly so, the last two games have been dropped at home for the Portland Timbers, but what is it that's so difficult for away teams to come in and play at Providence Park, maybe apart from these last two kind of anomalies and and this season in which maybe they're having to play with a little bit more pressure in those games, and maybe that's getting to the Timbers at this point. And they've been playing catch-up seemingly since they've had so many games on the road, but what is it about that place in particular and, and that set of fans, Timbers Arby, to play in front of that you got to see so closely for several years? What makes that difficult to play in front of? Well, two things. I also think they're sort of set up as a counterattacking team, and you know they're organized and tough to break down through the middle of the field. And then when they get out on the break, they're they're really good. And if they're on the front foot trying to dictate possession at home, which a lot of times they are, then you know kind of one of their strengths uh, goes away. So I think that's a piece that you sort of have to look at a little bit. Has that played into their home form? Are they you know, almost a better team when they're conceding possession and conceding? 
you know, sort of dropping into a low block and then encountering from that. Um, you know, the other piece is that they haven't had Sebastian, Sebastian Blanco over the last, uh, I don't know, two, three, four games. Mm-hmm. Um, they got him back uh, in a substitute role, so my expectation is he'll be sharp and ready to start against us. Um, but he's a really, really important piece to them. Um, and you know, it's taken over a lot of the playmaking uh, you know, duties from Diego Valeri. Diego tends to to pop up in and around the penalty area, and of course, he's one of the best in those in those spots. So, the, you know, their team has had some of those issues. We we used to say we used to sit on the sideline, and particularly when Portland would attack in the second half and late on in games, it was almost like the Timbers Army, the north end of of Providence Park. It's almost like they would suck the ball into the back of the net. It was like a vacuum cleaner in there, and and. You know, we used to just, the pressure, the fit, the volume, it would all raise. And we, you know, as a staff sitting, and I think as the whole team, just waiting for that ball to to, to get in. And, you know, it got into to that north end goal in some weird ways the, the years that I were there, I was there, such that, you know, we did feel like there was, there was, there was a uh, sort of magic vacuum to it. So, uh, you know, it, it's, and it doesn't seem to be there this year. I keep was watching Was Fail goal on that end? No, it was on the opposite. Oh, okay, opposite I, end, I couldn't so remember because I was like, that yeah. would be one of those that you're like, okay, he clearly wasn't trying, and no, it worked no. against the Timbers. No, it was the opposite end. That, <laughs> so their 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 breath blew it in. I think. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it, it's a uh, you know it's an intimidating place to play when it's really going. Um, you know, they've they've had, like they've had a really weird year. When you think about it, particularly at home, they had a lot of the issues with the uh, you know with the MLS. Uh, policy on political um uh what's what's the proper terminology i know political displays mm-hmm. um you know they had a silent crowd there the game against lafc i think or la galaxy one of the two and and so they, they've had a really sort of start stop weird year at home um and i also think that they keep waiting for the shoe to drop and then to get on one of the roles that they always seem to get on and it just hasn't happened yet and, you know, hopefully it, it doesn't happen, certainly not this weekend. So It'll be a big matchup indeed. And and if you had to, I guess, we'll say what Portland, do you think they they a team that makes it into the playoffs? Or are they a team that misses out this year? I think they make it. I think they make it. But I think, you know, partly I think they make it because, you know, I, I, I had the pleasure of coaching Diego Chara for three years when I was there and then uh, Diego Valeri one year and I know the quality of people those guys are um, and I feel like they have they, they have nerves of steel and I think a, a different team with the results that they've had with the pressure that they're under dropping now in the eighth spot I think a lot of teams their knees start to knock with their leadership not kind of sort of sussing it out and 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 being there and those guys I don't think will let it happen the same way that you know we felt like adding Ozzy and adding Ike and adding guys that have been there and that have have dealt with that we felt like that our you know our nerve would hold through this this difficult stretch run and you know so far it's proven to because like I said we have a good team and we have good leaders on the field and so you know I expect the same from Portland it'll be a big matchup again that matchup will be on ESPN you'll be able to hear coverage pre half and post on score north Dan Terhar will have the call with Kendra D. St. Aubin. Myself and Jonathan Harrison will do the pre-off and post coverage. Um, Amos, before we let you go, uh, we'll kind of, we'll end up inevitably doing a season in review, but with four games left, and I know these last four games are really going to dictate probably how this answer is finally written in the minds of what does the 2019 season look like, but 
to this point, has the season gone exactly as you hoped? Better than you thought? I mean, where where do you kind of stand when you evaluate it now, knowing that there are still four of the most important games all season left still to be played? Yeah. But if I said to you at the beginning of the year, 30 games in, you're sitting in third in the West. Yeah, you know, you'd have felt good about that. But the scary thing is we made it to a cup final, and you know, we have runner-up medals to show for that, unfortunately, and we could be out of the playoffs. Like, it could happen here in the next four games, or we could get ourselves to second, go on a run, you know, anything is possible. So while I, you know, it feels to a lot of us like we've had a very good season, it also feels to, you know, there's also this this real, you know, real realization that we could come through with this with, with nothing. So um, it really, the, the, the postmortem really has to be a postmortem. I, I can't give it to you right <laughs> now because we're still in the balance. It's exciting times, isn't it? Indeed. Who's the odd team? Who's the team that's out then? Who's if the Timbers make out? it in, who's it's out? Who's out? That's right sitting now, above right now. FC Dallas is at seventh. As it sits, right, it goes Seattle. Or it goes LAFC, Seattle, Minnesota United, Real Salt Lake, LA Galaxy, San Jose, FC Dallas, and then just below the playoff line, Portland Timbers, and then six points off that, Sporting Kansas City in ninth place. So. And now, granted, not all of us are looking at everybody's remaining schedule, but we right. know that there is no easy game. So, so who who misses out to Kendra's question? So I'll just say this. I have really good friends in Dallas. I have really good friends in Portland. Um, I like the guys in San Jose, but I don't have really good friends in San Jose. I'm saying an upset. San Jose's got a difficult schedule remaining, I think. Still have Atlanta, I think. They lost. Still have Atlanta. I think they're at Portland to finish. I think uh, decision day they're at Portland. It could come down to that game. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's... Uh, it's tough. You know, when I talk about sort of, of, of guys holding their nerves, you know, FC Dallas is really young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I expected them to lose last night and they got a point. So maybe there's maybe there's something of youthful, um, you know, exuberance that's, that's carrying them through. So How about uh, Dallas, though? What were you texting your friends in Dallas during that Chicago game? Anything? I ref- didn't when they text lost that. They four zero and ended up losing four zero ultimately. Yeah, that's that's when you leave that for another couple of days. But you know, I, I my I, I love the nickname the Cobra. So you can believe when when Andrasek was scoring a lot of oh, goals, yeah. I had a lot of like snake emojis oh. thrown that way. So that's all my that's a, I'm 48. That's my technical game is yeah. emojis. I got and then during else. the Chicago game, you were sending him the poop emoji. No, 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 no. <laughs> Offline, offline. <laughs> well, I, I noticed you said you had a lot of friends in a lot of places, but you didn't give us an exact team. So yep. I'll, I'll give you a second to think about I it. I told you I'm going San Jose because oh, okay. I won't I'll piss anybody it. off. You? So. Uh, I'm going Dallas out. I think Dallas would be out. I just think the young, I think the youth going to get them. Looking at the remaining schedule for San Jose, thanks to our producer, Morgan yeah, Luton, how who tough just is pulled that? it up. They've got, we're talking about San Jose Earthquakes, this Saturday, away at Atlanta, then a midweek game, away or no excuse me home to philadelphia then they've got a home matchup on sunday so they go three games in eight days the home matchup against seattle and then they end the season amos as you said on decision day sunday october 6th at portland timbers and everybody's going to be going back kicking themselves about where could we have taken points and you know san jose lost that in new york city they went away from salt lake just and we said this before the salt lake game i mean san jose is going to be kicking themselves that they didn't take a point in salt lake or win that match, knowing that Salt Lake was missing some of their best players. Then, and Minnesota will probably do the same things. If for some reason, their freak reason, any of these teams drop below the line, you're going to go back and go, 
Well, you always dissect. You're always. You can always. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But yeah, I go with I go with Amos on this one. I think San Jose is the team that makes it out, and then it'll be interesting to hear how Matt Doyle spins that one after the darlings for so long in the summer don't make it in. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting times. That's for sure. You you know, Adrian is not. Jamie's coach anymore, but he still coaches Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I like Matt Doyle a lot. I'm just very interested. This guy is uh, he, he's, he's, he's awesome to um, listen to. He comes up with great stuff, great stats, but he fell in love hard, and it's going to be heartbreak, I think, for them. Could be wrong, but that's how I see it going. Do you have an, can we do one? We don't know when we'll get Amos again. Do you have a prediction for MLS final, MLS Cup final? Uh, I got Minnesota against... <laughs> Philly. <laughs> Minnesota against Philly. Kendra? Oh man, I'm going um wouldn't it be not, wouldn't it be kind of fun to see LAFC in Atlanta? No. No, it wouldn't be fun. Well, at I mean, all. it would be fun to see Minnesota. Well, of course it would be fun if it was Minnesota, <laughs> but I'm not going to also Atlanta and then well, you can I just feel like all the talk back. with Vela and Joseph Martinez no, and you best know. Best regular season in, in history, one of the best MVP performances. Yes. Yes. And then uh, choke in the playoffs to an upstart Minnesota team. There you That's go. One hey, I would love it if that happened. I'll and, take it. And there you go. Minnesota gets yeah. the the opportunity to make amends against Atlanta United. That's a, I, I think that would be fun. It'd be a good story. All right, I will guys. take it. Well, listen, we appreciate Amos McGee, your time so much. Thank you. You do an incredible job, you and your staff. Uh, so thank you for walking away still in 30, 40 minutes with us during the midst of a very busy time. All the best to you and your staff, and thanks again, Amos. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You heading to Portland? Uh, I am not heading to Portland. You're like the former mayor of Portland. How are you not going? Because. Because um, he was on the road traveling. He's got three I've got kids a busy, and a wife. I've got a, I've got a busy <laughs> travel schedule. Yeah, <laughs> traveling. All right. That's why. That's why Minnesota is so good because you've been traveling so much. So thank you for that. My thanks as always to my partner in crime, Kendra DC and Aubin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our producer Morgan Lubin and our entirety of the staff putting this together. We appreciate you, the listener at home, listening. For Amos, for Kendra, for myself, Jamie Watson, we appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed. As always, this has been a Minnesota United production.